You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com. Make sure you subscribe to Canes County for free. Use the promo code Miami30, part of the Rivals.com network make sure you subscribe to this podcast the storm tracker podcast on all platforms and of course subscribe to this youtube channel live from canes county and it's a blue monday ladies and gentlemen which means larry bluestein is joining me today thanks for joining me once again larry anytime marcus thank you and larry uh we are in october already can you believe it i mean no <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like flying by already and you know next thing you know we're going to be talking playoffs and high school football yeah and you know maybe potentially a bowl game for the miami hurricanes uh the canes have started out four and oh and i actually have them starting out five and oh to start the season but um a lot of good things that that I've seen from the team as far as, you know, uh, their strengths, their weaknesses. I, I kind of love that they the way that they are able to run the ball, pass the ball, stop the run, create pressure on the quarterback. Those are the areas that I've that have kind of impressed me, Larry. What has impressed you about the Miami Hurricanes four and zero start? Well. Obviously, they're, the fact that they've really changed that roster, and you and I have talked about it, it's a completely different uh, roster, especially at some key spots like offensive line and linebacker, the depth at running back, some emerging stars at receiver, uh, defensive secondary getting better and better. And I think that the uh, this is a team that has played better and better every every week. You know, obviously, it's – uh, tough to get up uh, for a Bethune Cookman or maybe of a Miami of Ohio, but um, but the very fact that they they have a signature win, and let me tell you, it's a signature win over Texas A and M because there's a Texas A and M team that's taken everybody apart and will have a legitimate shot this weekend to beat Alabama at home. I mean, a legitimate shot. Uh, this is, so that shows you uh, Miami's. Uh, potential to play at a high level and um and they did and they, you know and i think that sometimes you play up to the level or down to the level of your competition and so far miami's been pretty good against everybody uh, their defense has come to play uh their offense obviously uh you know is a work in progress in a lot of ways i mean you have a great quarterback but your offensive line is you know going through changes and depth problem but nah this is this is a great start. I mean, I thought they'd be off to, you know, after their first five games to four and one. I thought they'd lose to A&M. Um, and then obviously things get tougher. But um, to be in this position at four and oh with this Saturday night's game against Georgia Tech looming uh, an opportunity for Miami to be a top 15 team at five and oh when they go to Chapel Hill. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Georgia Tech, which kind of signifies the beginning of the ACC season for the Miami yeah. Hurricanes. It's their first ACC game of the year. Uh, the rest of the game from here on out are conference games. So 
the ACC, from what I see in Larry, not that tough this year. You know, um, and even even the top teams, I think, have have some flaws in them. Um, there are only two teams that are currently ranked ahead of the Hurricanes in the polls from the conference with Florida State and North Carolina. And those teams have, have looked, you know, sketchy at times. Uh, Florida State had to pull out a tough win against Boston College. North Carolina battled with Appalachian State in overtime uh, to get a win. So those teams aren't, you know, world beaters by by any stretch. And the, the ACC schedule for the Hurricanes in particular – not particularly that tough as well. You got a, a Virginia team that's struggling. And then you got this Georgia Tech team coming up this week that, you know, lost to Bowling Green last week. So this conference suddenly seems very winnable for the Hurricanes. Dare I say it, <laughs> Blue. Yeah. Um, what, what are the chances do you think that this team can actually win the conference this year? I mean, obviously, the game at Tallahassee is going to be it's going to be a, a, a major, you know, a, a war uh, coming off a 45-3 loss to them last year. Sure. And albeit Miami's gotten a roster a little bit different. Florida State, as you mentioned, everybody, you know, it's it's all about matchups. You know, you take a look at the Miami Dolphins and they score 70 points one week and then they almost get uh, 50 scored on them the next. So it's about matchups and what happens. And you bring up Georgia Tech. Remember, Georgia Tech beat Wake Forest and Wake Forest is not awful. Uh, so anything could happen. I think that the ACC, as you said, is probably more winnable than it's been. It's been Clemson, basically only Clemson, and then Florida State kind of joined it last year. North Carolina has been real, real strong. But, you know, I, I think I go with the fact that you have to take each week at one at a time. And, you know, right now Georgia Tech – you know, where everyone goes, oh, we'll win that game. But you know, you never know. You never know. You had a week off. Are you going to come out rusty? I mean, you know, I mean, after last year, Marcus, nothing's a for sure type of thing. So, right. um, you know, I look at every game and can they win? Yeah, they can win. Uh, but you got teams like Louisville who can play. NC State on any given day could can beat you, especially at home. Um, but to me – you know, the key game is going to be this Georgia Tech game, getting the 5-0 and oh, and being one game from, from bowl eligibility, which is huge. I yeah. mean, now, you know, I mean, we sat home last year and watched schools like Eastern Michigan and New Mexico State and programs like that go to bowl games, and Miami didn't go. And I think it's essential that Miami, <clears throat> they could get their bowl eligibility, you know, either at home against Clemson or on the road against North Carolina's uh, North Carolina Chapel Hill. So uh, yeah, I, you know, the schedule is doable and no doubt about it. I mean, especially, and I, and I do look at Texas A&M as a barometer. That was a really good football team. I think people kind of yeah. underestimated, you know, what type of team Texas A&M, but they were strong up front, probably the biggest team by far Miami's going to face. And they came through and, and and played very well for all four quarters. So Miami plays like that the rest of the way. I agree with you. They have a really legitimate shot uh, to win this ACC. They could, you know, Clemson obviously is 
you know, a mortal type of team. We saw them lose to Duke, who's another team that took Notre Dame down to the wire on Saturday. So everybody in the conference is, you know, has stood out one way or another. So I just revert back to any given day, Saturday or whatever day they play. Uh, anything could happen. You just got to bring your A game every week. I know, Mar- you know, talking to Mario Cristobal at some of the games on the sideline, you know, with the high school games, and he feels the same way. The potential's there, uh, but the experience, you know, and the depth, you know, could be a concern when you start playing heavyweights every week and you get kids hurt. Do you have capable backups, you know, to to step in? Yeah, that will definitely be definitely be a story for the Hurricanes as as we continue to progress through the season. Can they sustain injuries? Can they battle through the attrition of of football? And we we shall see. I think the bye week came at a perfect time for them right before conference play to really get healthy and get focused for this important run. And yeah, if they get a win this Saturday against Georgia Tech, they'll match their win total from last year. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy, un- which is unbelievable to to say. And like you said, they'll be one win away from bowl eligibility. Now let's take take a more of a deep dive on these opponents um, in the next month. I mean, we got Georgia Tech and and. And, and then they also have uh, um, North Carolina right after that. And then they, they also play Virginia. They've got Louisville, Florida State, like you said, they have. And then uh, they have Boston College as well. Yeah, you already kind of alluded to which which team would be the toughest out for, for Miami, and that's winning in Tallahassee. And I agree. I think that's I, I think that is definitely the toughest game for them because of the environment, because of the rivalry. I think they can get the win against Georgia Tech, even though I think that's going to be actually closer than people think, just because that team got embarrassed last week uh, against yeah. Green. And then, well, football teams they don't they don't like to you know, lose in, in that fashion, especially because they were up big in that game and Bowling Green kind of bowled over them <laughs> in, the, in the second half. It, it was um, – Especially it, coming off that win against Wake Forest too. Right, exactly. So I think that's going to be a tough out. North Carolina I think is also, of course, going to be a tough one for them. It's going to be a, a road environment uh, in, in the ACC – uh, first one for them for the year, so that's going always going to be tough. But what what do you what do you think could be the potential roadblocks between them and an ACC title besides, of course, Florida State? Well, Clemson, obviously, uh, Miami hasn't done very well with Clemson, you know, yeah. especially over the last decade. They've been embarrassed plenty of times, but they have them home, and that's the one thing that's gonna. I think you're gonna see. Um, a sea of orange, but I think what Miami will do is they'll have everyone wear green. 
so they could <laughs> kind of distinct, di distinguish themselves. But that's going to be packed. You're going to look at five fifty to 60,000, maybe even more for that game. I'm sure it's going to be on, uh, you know, it's going to be a 3.30 start most likely uh, so the, the yeah. entire country can see them. Um, so that's going to be really a hurdle. We know those games that may not look significant to some people because they go after – off of past performances, um, Louisville's very good. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, Coach Brom has come back to his alma mater, has turned things around and recruit real well. We know because they recruited down here extremely well, getting, uh, you know, guys like Capers from Columbus and having a bunch of kids already, uh, you know, on the roster. So they've done extremely well. NC State is an on and off type of team, but if they're on, they could be a thorn in your side. And, uh, Certainly, you said Boston College, which probably illustrates the entire rest of the season. Because look at Boston College; even though they get they're getting toasted by everybody, look at they did against Florida State. So it shows you, and they could have won that game. They could have won that game very easily, uh, Boston College. So I'm a a subscriber of of taking things one at a time. And um, all the focus now is on Georgia Tech. Uh, and then, then you turn your attention to another ACC road game at Chapel Hill. Absolutely. Speaking of this Georgia Tech game, uh, Georgia Tech, I think I called them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, speaking of Georgia Tech, this game obviously is important. Uh, Miami has shown the ability to to run the ball very well and to stop the run very right. well as well. And when you do that, those two particular things, you can do so many things as a football team. And I think that's the strength of this team, uh, their their ability to, to kind of run the ball, uh, which kind of opens up the passing game or makes the passing game a lot easier and the ability to, to stop the run the, the way they have. I mean, uh, people might say, oh, well, they play Miami of Ohio and Temple, but uh, Miami of Ohio has actually shown that they're a pretty decent team as well. Yeah, yeah. They, they beat uh, Cincinnati, which Cincinnati, you know, kept it somewhat close against Oklahoma, who scores a lot and only scored 20 uh, against uh, Cincinnati. So uh, I do think – their their schedule set them up well for, for the rest of the season. You you really kind of seen what the strengths and the weaknesses are on this team. Um, but uh, what what do you think are are the are the strengths and the weaknesses for for the Miami Hurricanes going into the rest of the season? Well, I think their line play is really has been a surprise, especially on the offensive line. You know, obviously Lee and Cohen have been huge additions, but it's kind of elevated everybody else up front. And you're seeing a lot of the other players uh, kind of step up and, and, and make an impact only because they've rallied around some experience up front. So that's been huge. I think defensively on the defensive line, I mean, Leonard Taylor starting to step up. You're getting uh, the young kid, Bain, who is – 
going to be the next superstar, obviously, for the team in the mix along with uh, – and you got to remember, guys like Mesador have been injured, and so they haven't been at full strength. But you get Nigel E. Kelly. Uh, you're getting a chance to see some of the future kids. And I think also the big ex- the big addition is at linebacker, where Mauanoa's brother – um, yeah. Kiko has done a tremendous job and it's given them an opportunity with Wesley Besaint. And uh, you look at Corey Flagg, you know, that's that's my guy because I'm a productive a productivity guy. And over the last two years, yeah. Corey's led the team in tackles yeah. and it gives him an opportunity uh, to come in, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a depth instead of being a frontline player now. So he gets to come in as depth and the secondary uh, slowly, but surely, you know, with the addition of Davis, that came in from Oklahoma, obviously uh, Daryl Porter jr. Has done a good job. Both the Brown brothers have done tremendous. And then uh, James Williams, um, you know, has, has started to elevate his game. And then you get Cam Kinchins back for the Georgia tech game. So I think things are falling into place as far as what they, what they're doing uh, from a, you know, from a defensive standpoint, from an offensive line standpoint. And then we know they've got a stable of running backs who are all different, you know, from Parrish, obviously, to uh, to the, the kid that we you like. And I know A.J., he hasn't really gotten an opportunity uh, to, to really play a lot. And I think he's going to be um, – a back that's going to be a force to Cheney as a hard yeah, runner. We yeah. saw Fletcher. Yeah. We saw Fletcher as a freshman uh, who is reliable, a downhill runner. Once he gets his, once he gets momentum, you don't want to be a safety standing in his way and then receiving course. I mean, you have, uh, you know, you have your slot people, uh, Restrepo has been one of the best in the country. So all these naysayers and all these people who are, have been, you know, negative towards him ever since he was in little league, uh, have begun to shut up because, uh, you know, he's a reliable source. He's averaging five receptions a game. One of the, one of the best receptions or receivers in the country from that standpoint. And then you look at obviously, um, uh, the Jacoby George kid who's starting to come on. And we, we expected that last year because of the fact that, you know, he was heralded coming out of plantation and, and we thought that uh, he would be the guy. And then all of a sudden you got a kid like young, who's a big body guy, f- kind of a future NFL type of guy because of his size. He's got speed. He, he does extremely well. Uh, the only thing we haven't really gotten a lot of because of the fact that Arroyo has been out is that tight end. You've had obviously the, uh, uh, I was going to say young man, but he's not that young coming from Oregon. Uh, who's, uh, you know, like a six year senior. Uh, but at the same time, you're getting a chance to look at some of the younger guys there too. Um, yeah, I, I just think on the overall, and their special teams really sound, uh, kicking the ball. Yeah. Borgales is one of the best in the country, most reliable in the nation. Uh, so I think you have, when they play up to their potential, a team that can line up on any given day and play anybody. And I'm sorry to keep reverting back to the Texas A&M game, but look what they've been doing. They went to Arkansas and made uh, made a shambles of them. They won at home yeah. against Auburn. And like I said, they have an opportunity this coming week at home uh, to knock off Alabama and legitimately yeah. knock them off. Yeah. 
Yeah, when you look at the top teams, Blue, um, the for me, I think Texas is the number one team in the nation. Um, you know, in my opinion, you know, I, I think they're better than Georgia. I think they're better than Michigan. When you look at, uh, you know, the t- the their schedule and who they've beaten, uh, the fact that they beat Alabama by ten points, and then Alabama, yeah. you yeah. know, took care of business against Ole Miss. Um, I, I think they still have of- Oklahoma coming up, and that's never going to be yeah. an easy chore for yeah. them. You know, every year the yeah. best team don't always win in that game. Right, exactly. Yeah, that that's this week coming up. So it's one of my favorite rivalries to kind of watch every year. So we'll see what kind of happens there. But right, I think my point really being is that I, I think Miami can can line up and play well against anybody because yeah. they have they have the fundamentals um, from a football team that you want to see as far as stopping the run consistently and being able to run the football and this is a vertical passing game you saw in this game against uh temple that i'm showing here um that they were able to not only run the ball but they were able to pass the ball downfield as well i mean the hurricanes rank third overall in offense fifth in passing fourth in receiving third in rushing third in run defense, 10th in tackling, and fourth in creating pressure. So they're in the top 10 in a bunch of major major categories, according to pro football focus. Uh, So I think this team is a bit underrated uh, at 17, but that ultimately really doesn't matter because, you know, everything will start to play out on the field and teams will start losing kind of here, you know, one by one, I guess you could yeah. say, and and we'll we'll really start to see Miami kind of as, ascend in, in the ranks and in the national uh, mindset or, or or narrative, so to speak. Yeah. So um, so blue you win and everything takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, blue, you you were at some games last week. Um, you're you're kind of at games every week. Um, and seeing what's out there on the high school gridiron. And, and so was the coaching staff. And uh, you saw Mario Cristobal out there. And um, what are some of the guys that you see or have seen this season so far now that we're a month into high school football that are off the radar that maybe Miami should maybe kind of look into uh, to add to their 24 or 25 or 26 class. Yeah, well, that's the one thing. That's why Coach Cristobal has been out at a lot of games. He was out at the American Heritage Plantation game. Uh, uh, excuse me, um, uh, the uh, Chaminade American Heritage Plantation game. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of under-the-radar kids. You, not in this day and age, there's so many people, you know, like Frank and other people that watch these kids, you know, on a daily, weekly basis that uncover them at every uh, classification. But the one thing is, is, you know, the defined kids, Josiah Trader uh, is a kid that Miami already has on board. Uh, you look at the, also uh, the kid Patterson, who's a beast. Uh, sure. But the main focus now obviously is is smith and uh uh, this kid is a different level guy everybody had seen him 
uh, playing wide receiver for Chaminade says that he's the best high school football receiver they've ever seen. And that's coming from, you know, like the Mario Cristobal's of the world. And that's coming. What about, what the, about for you? Uh, is he the best you've ever seen? Best high school guy. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, seeing a lot of kids down here, you know, like uh, Andre Johnson and Roscoe Parrish and Dwayne Bowe and, and guys like that who kind of emerged at the next level, you know, I mean, it became, you know, like Isaac Bruce and people like that. It became uh, NFL Hall of Famers, Michael Irvin. Uh, but nobody's ever been like this in high school and he's so fluid and he's so f strong and he's got the size. And, uh, you know, um, I was, uh, last week against coconut Creek. Um, you know, I was standing on the sideline with coach Mike McIntyre from FIU and he had never seen him before. Uh, you know, he had, I mean, cause that's obviously not the type of guy that FIU could legitimately get. And he watched him and he, I think he watched him for 10 minutes and kind of, you know, remarked to himself that, uh, this is a guy that, uh, you know, you just don't get a kid like that. It's just, I mean, the kid's at a whole different level and obviously, you know, Miami's trying to get the kids <clears throat> locally. They did, you know, and that's why coach Cristobal went to the central last week. Uh, you know, yeah. are they f trying to flip Luane McCoy? That could be. I mean, yeah. the kid's committed to Florida State, but he's he's a difference maker as he showed in the game against Chaminade and showed in several games against Gorman and uh, schools like that. And and uh, they already have Vince Shavers, who's a linebacker and getting yeah. better and better. So. I don't think there's a lot of under the radar kids per se that Miami's looking at. I just think that they're trying to solidify the kids that they do have and kind of, <clears throat> you know how the recruiting game is. You have to show love all the time. And these yeah. kids, if they're, if you're not coming out to see them um, and I think that's, you know, uh, I don't, you know, I know coach Gaddis had a lot of faults, but, it was because of him that Miami landed Ray Ray Joseph because he showed him a lot of love. You know, you and I were at that um, kickoff classic a year ago um, yeah. or a spring game at Palm Beach Gardens. And yeah. he was there watching Edison play through the whole, what, two, three quarters of what, what they played. And I think that's what the kids remember the most. So you look at uh, somebody like, uh, uh, you know, a Jeremiah Smith, and he's going to see more and more of Kevin Beard or, you know, or, or um, Mario Cristobal. And he goes, you know what? You know, I mean, I'd like to stay home, I, you know, and, and you figure if he comes in, I mean, that elevates that, that position tenfold. And that's, you know, I mean, right now, you know, obviously there's not a major, major amount of offensive linemen in South Florida. I mean, you know, Miami's kind of honed in on the defensive players that they want uh, secondary wise. Also, as I mentioned, a linebacker. So I think in the recruiting game has changed because of the fact that you have the portal and you look at a team like Florida State who's hit gold in the portal, especially with their wide receiving core. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's the wave of recruiting, unfortunately, for some people, is that a lot of these high school freshmen are not really as much in the mix as they used to be because of the fact that you're going to try to get and fill your roster with um, uh, with 
kids who have have experience and can pl- yeah. plug and play right away. And that's changed the recruiting game so much, uh, you know, just over the last two years. Uh, to the point where, you know, I mean, next year, even though Miami has a couple of quarterbacks on the line and, you know, obviously Nickel, the junior kid out of Georgia, uh, they may have to go into the portal next year to get a junior senior type of guy who's got the experience. Because when you're losing Van Dyke, um, there's a big drop off. You know, and I know that potentially, you know, uh, with, with what they have now on, uh, you know, on the roster are really, really good and potential kids. But I think that you, with the portal, you live in the here and now. And yeah. uh, that's where a lot of I mean, and that's the most amazing thing. If you watch a college football game these days, like you watch like I watch some of the USC and um, Colorado game. Every time they mention a kid, they say, well, he's a transfer from, he's a transfer from See, right. And that's what this has gotten to be now. Uh, you know, all these schools like the Florida's and programs that in the past kind of turned their nose up at the, at the uh, portal are now using it as a lifeline. And uh, right. That's what changed. That's what's changed recruiting. So you could go after these marquee freshmen, but they have to be marquee freshmen. They can't be, you know, can't be fringe guys because now you could go into the portal and get a junior uh, or a senior who could come in and play right away. And then you could, you know, get your younger kids a year after. So yeah, it's about winning. And as you mentioned, schools like Texas and schools like Oregon, is a perfect example. They brought in quite a few kids under Coach Lanning. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of guys. There's not a whole lot of players, high school players, Miami's looking to flip. Maybe four or five. Uh, but they're also waiting on, <clears throat> excuse me, word from a couple of linemen out of state. Uh, you know, who haven't made their decision yet. And I think as time comes closer and also the kid Nye from uh, the receiver from Georgia. Yeah. uh, You know, there's another kid there who the thing is, is people see if these kids sit home and watch a A A&M game on TV against Miami or one of those program, one of those big time games and go, Oh, wait a minute. I'd like to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, a lot different than them watching middle Tennessee state come in and beat Miami at home. So this is a whole different level. And I think, you know, with coach Cristobal being a recruiting, uh, guy like he is along with, see, and that's the thing people don't understand. He brought in guys like Kevin Beard and Timmy, uh, ice Harris jr. And, and people like that, that and uh and um uh it's nicholson that can recruit marcus they and the kids love them you know and that's a thing and look at how the wide receiver core has been elevated by you know just having uh, kevin beard there and him you know going over technique and showing them different things and same thing with the running game i mean you know timmy Har- um uh tim harris arguably has one of the uh and 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 remember Devontae Citizen and they got the other kid uh that, that committed uh I believe Riley, is that his name? Um Kevin Riley, yeah. Yeah, I mean who's regarded as one of the best in the country. So over the yeah. next couple of years, Miami's gonna be off the charts as running game. I mean, and that's great yeah. because that's the offense uh that they've built around. They've built around a 50-50 type of offense. 
run pass, but they're heavy when they can run the ball. And, uh, you know, I mean, when a team's going to gear up and maybe play the pass very well, I think that's where, you know, the running game comes in. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a work in progress, but they, the talent level is so much better than it was last year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the transfer portal is going to create a lot of parity in yeah. college football. I think finally we're going to see like what we see in college basketball at times. We'll see yeah. like a Cinderella type of story actually make a run, especially with the playoffs expanding, uh, you know, soon. It, it's going to be finally some parity like the NFL has because usually the yeah. NFL, you kind of never know. I mean, there, there's one or two, maybe three favorites kind of consistently every year, but there's always a team that kind of comes in and makes a run. And I, I think with the transfer portal, you can do that immediately now. You don't have to wait yeah, for no, I agree. years in recruiting to kind of build a program up. And that's, that's what Mario Cristobal has done here with getting key transfers. Like you said, you mentioned – uh, Kiko Maunoa and, of course, Matt Lee is a key transfer yeah. with Javion Cohen. Uh, these guys transferred in are in our impact players uh, for this football team. And you see that around the country. And I think you're going to continue to see that in college football. You're, you're just going to see teams, like you said, a USC, they, they got a bunch of transfers last year. And they sure. kind of had a quick turnaround from Not on defense, perhaps, but their yeah. offense. <laughs> Is like NFL like it. See, that's a guy like Caleb Williams. He's going to go to the NFL next year and he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know, I know that's sometimes you hate to throw out those, you know, those accolades, but you watch him. I mean, he, he's control. He's got a great arm. He throws yeah. off balance. He runs. And that's a guy that you bring in and not taking any shots at Bryce Young. Bryce Young was a very good quarterback, but he, sure. Very few quarterbacks coming out have the dimension that a Jacob, uh, I mean, that uh, what's his name brings to the table, uh, just that, you know, as a game changer. And that's what I'm saying. That's what's happening in college now, where you have a couple of these kids that come in, uh, you know, like like FSU with Johnny Wilson, came from Arizona State, a great 6'6 wide receiver. And then the other young man who came from Michigan State, who has been a heart and soul for them. And you could turn things around in a hurry. And that's what's happened in a lot of these schools. You remember three years ago, everyone goes, oh, man, you know, Coach Norvell, he'll never make it. They're not good. Or, But all, all of right. a sudden, trip to the portal, you know, getting kids like that and getting kids like, uh, you know, on defense. And they and that's just it changes the entire complexion. And that's the one thing I brought up. I was on with uh, somebody yesterday and we were talking and I brought up exactly what what you and I said and about here, everybody, uh, you know, on Saturday when you're playing, they go, um, uh, Joe Smith, a transfer from Arkansas or Willie Jones, a transfer, for, you know, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's these rosters have turned over so much. And, you know, obviously Colorado is an anomaly because <laughs> you don't get <laughs> yeah. 78 kids, you know, every year. I mean, right. I think that I've always said that the, probably the biggest uh, hero in that at Colorado is the registrar's office. <laughs> because they had to make sure that all 78 kids were eligible. You yeah. know, I mean, they had to go over all their classes and what transferred and people don't realize, but that's, that's an underdo under, that's a task that, uh, 
you know, never gets the real uh, play. But that's true. It's the recruiting part is just more than just lining up and playing football. There's a whole, you know, there's a whole chemistry when you get that many new kids in, you know, all those guys got to kind of be on the same page. And Miami's been very fortunate with the kids that they've brought in from the portal that kind of just fit in seemingly. Yeah, absolutely. Which is making them a contender for the ACC. And we'll see how they start against Georgia tech on Saturday, Saturday night uh, should have a lot of those guys back uh, from injury. And of course, like, like we've talked about those transfers, including Jaden Davis, who I forgot to mention. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Impact transfer uh, to make an impact. That's Larry Bluestein, ladies and gentlemen. Um, He's kind enough to join me on a Monday of long time, South Florida reporter. Uh, thanks, thanks again for for joining me for uh, this podcast, Blue, and hopefully uh, we can uh, get you on again sometimes. Yeah, anytime, Marcus. I appreciate you. Absolutely, and of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, the Storm Tracker Podcast, on all platforms, and also subscribe to CanesCounty.com for free. Use the promo code Miami Thirty, part of the Rivals Network. Until the next episode.